don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome to Series 5, Episode 6 of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie, coming to you live from a warm, sunny Galway, something that we're not used to at the moment. And of all things, we're stuck inside watching movies and documentaries. <laughs> Shame on us. Lisa Tracy, how are you? Yes, I'm good, Gary Kelly. How are you? Good. Are you sunburnt? Yes, slightly. <laughs> Dave, you haven't ventured outside at all. I am as white as a ghost, even though, but I am in shorts and a t-shirt and barefoot because it's warm and uh, I'll probably take my convertible out for a spin later on, but uh, it'll be evening time, so it won't be, I won't be getting uh, sunburned, I hope. I like how you got the convertible in there. (laughs) (laughs) On this week's episode, we are looking at The Wrong Missy, starring David Spade, a collaboration with Adam Sandler. We're also looking at The Eddie, based in beautiful Paris. Well, I suppose Paris can be like Marmite for people. Some love it, some absolutely hate the place. Uh, We're also looking at a great documentary as well, just released a couple of days ago on Netflix, about Jeffrey Epstein. But first up... Let's chat about Snowpiercer. More than seven years after the world has become a frozen wasteland, the remnants of humanity inhabit a moving train that circles the globe. And Jennifer Connelly is in this, and very much it reminds us of what a previous Academy Award-winning director brought out as a feature film. And I suppose it's back catalogue now. Everyone is kind of running back to and catching up on no more than Tarantino in the 90s after Pulp Fiction. But at least Snowpiercer, it's sci-fi, it's drama, it's on Netflix, 20 episodes, but only two released so far. What have you made of it? I think I liked it. I'm not 100% if I definitely did. You know, I wanted to see more. You know, once the two episodes were over, I did want to see more. So that's a good indictment of it, I think. Um, Jennifer Connelly is very good. She's, oh my God, she's so skinny. I know that's nothing to do with it, but she is very skinny. Um, Yeah, so it's a very interesting train and uh, sci-fi-ish. It's a bit more human than sci-fi, though. You know, I know it's got like all the futuristic elements in it. You know, like there's, um, you know, the world is frozen over and all that. And it's a really fast train and it's cool and it's going around the world. But um. It's, you know, it's it's a real story of, like, the struggle between, like, the rich and the poor. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. It's good sci-fi, uh, as in, you know, <clears throat> dystopian future. It's minus 120 degrees Celsius outside. And, you know, they use that to good effect in this uh, TV show as a torture for, as a punishment for people. They stick your arm out the window of the train and it freezes, etc. But... Um, it's it's an interesting concept. Obviously, uh, the movie, uh, the feature film from 2013, was based on a comic, uh, uh, sorry, uh, graphic novel, sorry. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting premise. Bong Joon-ho, famous for directing Parasite and winning loads of Oscars for directing and uh, writing Parasite. You know, he obviously is interested in this class structure, as Lisa alluded to there. So it's, you know, it's about this. There's people who is, who jumped on the train as stowaways, essentially. Mm. And it's about the people who have tickets, the staff, and the stowaways on this train. So it's an interesting, you know, melting pot of society. And as Lisa said there, Jennifer Connelly is perfectly cast as this ice-cold, calculated 
I won't give away too much, but she's the voice of the train, shall we say. And it's kind of a procedural thing, like with a murder and a guy who's in the tail, who's a stowaway, gets brought in as a cop to solve this murder. So there's a bit of a police procedural about it. So it's kind of a nice mixture of lots of different things, you know, class, mm. procedural cop show, sci-fi. It's an interesting mix. And mm. I saw the first two episodes as well. And uh, I, I want to see more as well. So I thought it was quite good. The reaction online, though, seems to be that it's nowhere near as good as the 2013 movie. No, I mean it's a different it's a different animal. Like it's a like the concept is just the name and the concept of this this train that has to keep moving, otherwise it'll freeze. And that's the whole reason they're on the train is you know that they can keep motion and generate heat and electricity. Uh, that premise is the same as the movie, but other than that, the movie and this are very very different in terms of the the plot and the story the movie is a bit more is a bit darker a bit more dark humor in it um and obviously the movie has a stellar cast compared to this out of 10 dave uh out of 10 i'm going to give it kind of seven and a half and that's just after two episodes but i as lisa said i personally want to watch more so i'm kind of expecting this to go up a notch so i'm going to say seven and a half at the moment with the hope that it'll notch itself up to eight I also want to give it a 7 out of 10 as well. A solid 7, you know, with with the potential for more. Well, one of the big new releases on Netflix is the four-episode documentary series Jeffrey Epstein, just released in the last couple of days. Lisa, you got to see all four episodes of the show. Well done, you. Uh, What is it that the documentary sort of exposes or tells us about the life, the person, Jeffrey Epstein? Um, well, basically, it's just it's the entire story of well, not the entire story. There's there's probably a lot more that we don't know about, but uh, Jeffrey Epstein was basically running a paedophile ring for the elite billionaires of the world, I suppose. Um, yeah, so he abused do- not dozens, hundreds of young girls, and uh, you know, it's just oh, it's it's shocking. Like it's it the enormity, the scale. Just and it's 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 shocking. So and I definitely think like this is one of my theories is that uh, he was got from the inside. So he got he he found his uh, demise in jail, supposedly by himself. But um, I, I I definitely I think there was somebody else uh, involved. So that's just a theory I definitely think is true because uh, he's friends with a lot of influential people. And apparently he recorded everything. There was cameras all over everywhere in his house, in his island, houses, plural. And uh, so everyone's uh, shenanigans were recorded. So obviously used to blackmail. And it's just, it's it's shocking. Like, it's like, there's so much money involved. Like, so it's just so sad this, so this, that there's such evil out there, you know, that, that exists. But definitely, I just, I don't understand how the lady, not lady, the person that was his um, sidekick and his supposed oh. girlfriend or whatever, Ghislaine Maxwell, Robert Maxwell's daughter, how is she not like arrested and in jail i just i don't get that it's shocking there should be like an international arrest warrant for her because she was basically his his pimp kind of person you know like she was the one recruiting the girls and you know oh god it was just it's just shocking like well it's gripping it's uh car crash tv at its height in terms of the scale as lisa said the scale and the depravity of it and the fact that Mm. as lisa very uh, correctly alluded to that there's people also very, very guilty of serious crimes that are walking around now 
somewhere mm-hmm. on planet Earth, not dead, not in prison, and it's a it, that in itself is a crime. As a documentary, it's pretty run of the mill. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, talking heads, shots, reusing the same shots of the house. God love the person who owns that house now; they'll never sell it. But um, <laughs> you know, and lots of um, close-ups of video, you know, audio tapes of depositions made by these young girls and all this kind of stuff and you know old photographs it's a it's a pretty standard visual template for a documentary there's nothing visually wow new about it's it. the content mm. it's yeah it's the it's like if you think about the last documentary that we reviewed was um the last dance there's lots last of dance. amazing sport and visuals and coolness to look you know some treats for the eyes in that in this mm. it's a very um procedural you know the back and forth between time you're like right 2003 and then they f- back to go back in time and blah 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 no, i've only seen two episodes of the four lisa has seen them all but it's the content itself it's the sheer depravity of this that grips you and the fact that th- it opens with t- these two girls from i think 96 who reported him to the fbi and nothing mm-hmm. happened nothing mm. they nobody nobody from the fbi contacted them nobody said boo to him it all just went away and then his girlfriend what's her name again lisa i want to say gillan maxwell because i don't think you Gilaner. pronounce the s Gilaine, robert maxwell's it, yeah. daughter we'll stick with that yeah robert mm-hmm. maxwell's daughter with a weird first name she mm-hmm. um she apparently threatened these two girls on the phone and you know mm-hmm. had people intimidate and, one, and these girls were frightened. one of them moved constantly and every, so every time she moved she found her yeah, it's like a movie. It's like a, mm. a, a thriller, but it's real. Yeah. And uh, it's shocking that he he had that. And then in 2003, there was an inve- a proper investigation went on, but he was tipped off. <coughs> and, um, yeah. you know, they, they got a search warrant for his house and all the computers were missing and there's wires hanging behind monitors of desks. But the computer with all the hard drives of the TV cameras to show people coming and going out of the house is missing. And it's real and it's crazy. And it's shocking to think that, the power that money brings you it shows mm. the corruption in the world is horrendous that these mm. girls were exploited girls were coerced not only into having sex with him and massaging him but also into bringing other girls in so basically yeah. he manipulated them into becoming traffickers of people so it's mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous and i i don't think i believe in lisa's theory that somebody helped him to end his life i absolutely guarantee you that's what happened it's not a theory oh. <laughs> at all, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. It's an absolute, I would bet my house on it. Somebody went in there, somebody who might live in a big house that probably isn't uh, painted black, let's just say, uh, probably <laughs> spent a lot of money and had him ended. And along with lots of other people who are yeah. who also live in very palatial houses, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> somebody somewhere went, get rid of him. Because if he goes to the attorney general uh, or the the district attorney of uh, new york and does a deal to say right i want to reduce sentence to implicate other people uh mm-hmm. who isn't going to take that deal and give him a bit of immunity so that he can take down other billionaires and i'm not going to implicate myself here or the show but other people mm-hmm. of influence and power who should also be uh, made accountable for their actions he was Absolutely. off there's no doubt in my mind at all but the other thing you have to think about is the mentality of a man like that. Obviously, I'm not a psychologist and I've never met the man. But, you know, the standard mentality of a person who is a billionaire is ego and self. They don't mm. commit suicide very easily. You know what I mean? They don't say, oh, no. uh, they have a, a distorted view of the world. He was obviously a very, very sick man. 
in, in terms of his view of the world, his arrogance, his disconnection from reality. And, you know, even though he would have gone to prison for the rest of his life, hopefully, um, just like uh, Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein is in jail now, but he's still a multimillionaire. Like mm. we, the movie that we reviewed a few minutes ago, Snowpiercer, that was produced primary and released by the Weinstein company. So there's still checks coming in. People might not work with him anymore and he's disgraced and he's in prison. But you want to show a Weinstein movie and there are many, many classic movies that are Weinstein movies and we love them. They're great movies. There's still money coming in. So he is still a millionaire, multi, multi-millionaire. He might be in prison, but in prison he can say, hey, I want a burger. I want a pizza. I want a bottle of wine. And he paid for it. Uh, mm. So there's a lot to be said for that. And I don't believe this guy committed suicide at all. So I asked the question last week when we were reviewing Michelle Obama's Becoming, is this a documentary that people need to see? Is this? I think I think it's like... it is. You, you, I think everyone needs to know or be aware of what's going on in the world that like we've, we've turned a blind eye and billionaires are, are allowed to get away with everything. And also to the, to the effect of, uh, I mean, I'm not a parent, but if I was a parent, I would have my... 10 year old daughter as soon as they're old enough to kind of be able to watch something like this I'd sit them down and watch it so if any of your Mm. friends say hey let's go here let's go there let's do this let's do that you just say no thank you Mm. and walk away because you have to protect yourself because you know an adolescent 14 year old brain is not developed to have confidence and be able to say no to people who are billionaires or even you know adults and when they're in Mm. room with an adult they assume the adult is going to do right by them and look mm-hmm. after them as a normal adult would. And there's lots of uh, sequences in this this documentary that shows, you know, these now 30, 35 year old women now at this stage who are broken. They're mm-hmm. just broken internally and they have no trust in lots of things. They were manipulated and damaged by a, a billionaire and they by their own admission, they said that they were petrified. They were afraid that if they said no, something bad would happen to them. So we need to educate all, not just girls, boys as well. Young people need to be educated to know what's right and wrong. And you stand up and say no, if, if something inappropriate is happening. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or a billionaire or whoever. You can't do that to me, mm. no matter how powerful you seem to be, because uh, society just won't allow it. Well said. Out of 10 guys? Eight. For me, I'm going to say like six because the actual documentary craft is a bit standard. It's it's like if this was a, if this was a car, it'd be a very solid black Ford Focus car. <laughs> it'd be a fairly basic car that does what it needs to do. It's not a bad car. It's just fairly standard. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. But as a documentary, it's a bit stale. It's a bit, you know, but it's the subject matter. There's nothing amazing in this documentary that has a flourish or anything interesting visually or chronologically. As I said, I've only seen two out of four episodes, but it's mm. a good solid six. The, the, the important thing is the, is the, the essential, essential viewing of the subject matter is what makes yeah. it uh, worth watching. There you go. That is Jeffrey Epstein, the documentary series now on Netflix. Next up, we're looking at the Eddie based in beautiful Paris. Well, I suppose Paris is like Marmite for people. Some people love Paris. Other people absolutely hate it. But anyways, it's based on a club owner, a jazz music venue that he has uh, fighting the chaotic lifestyle that he has inherited. Dave, we'll go to you first. As we know, Lisa loves Paris. Uh, What did you make of the Eddie? Um, I also love Paris, uh, not as much as Lisa, because Lisa is a hopeless, hopeless romantic, lunatic, hopeless <laughs> romantic. 
But, uh, I mean, I love Paris. I love jazz. Um, and, like, as far as I can see, lots of this, they probably did a lot of the auditions in clubs like the Eddie to find the right performers to make this reality because the music in it is amazing. And I'm not talking about um, non-diegetic. It's diegetic. It's like these guys on the camera are playing the music for real. They're, and they're obviously not actors. They're musicians. And who have a little bit of acting training as in I'm not saying they're bad actors I'm just saying their primary passion is obviously music because they're so good and so talented um it's an interesting show it didn't grab me hugely I watched two episodes uh I'm not chomping at the bit to watch more but I'm not I wouldn't be adverse to watching more you know what I mean it's it didn't grab me um I found some of the camera work a little bit too edgy from my point of view it's like lads how much do tripods cost you know, buy yourself a tripod, put it down and plan a shot. I just find too much handheld stuff is too much. It's like if you go for a meal and all there is is steak, then it's like, oh, I wouldn't mind a few bits of green or a potato here, you know. And when filmmakers just overindulge in handheld stuff, I personally, it turns me off. And I'm like, right, I need, I'd like a few tripods and a few tracking shots here. Let's. The story is quite good. The acting is good. Um, there's no famous actors in it, which is a good thing always, as far as I'm concerned, when you have a mm -hmm. small TV show like this. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Uh, it was a bit pedestrian in terms of, you know, you kind of see this is going to happen and there's a daughter who's troubled and she's had a history. And, of course, again, she had a sexual issue with her stepfather. And back to this Jeffrey Epstein nonsense of... Uh, people doing bad things to other people but but it's textbook there's a lot of textbook stuff going into it there's a club owner no spoilers here but there's a club owner and he's got a partner and the partner is the one with all the you know he's the carefree happy-go-lucky everything to be fine guy who turns out that he's dealing with money bad guys. you know bad guys sure. basically, you know drug dealers and mm. you know bad guys who you know are come looking for money and it's textbook and the other guy does nothing about it and the cops get involved and it's kind of you know paint by numbers Lisa, did you get to watch all eight episodes? No, I only got as far as the fifth one. Um, yeah, I just I kind I got distracted by all all the other things I had to watch, but um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. But I think I think it underutilizes Paris. I, I I don't know. I I'm a bit ridiculous that way. But I'm just like you've you've got like one of the like no, it is. It's my favorite city in the world that I've been to so far. That's the whole point. The whole point is to to show the realities of living in Paris, that it isn't all sunshine and light and Eiffel Tower. And, you know, it's not, it's not that it's not tourist Paris that, you know, it's not like midnight in Paris, like, which is amazing. This is like, it's about the jazz music. It's about, you don't know, is it going to, is it going to go well? Is it going to go bad? It's, it's like, you know, it's being in a club, listening to the music and, you know, it's just, it's good. Uh, but in the third episode, Dave, had you, had you held on for number three, uh, something mm. quite dramatic happens. I don't know, did that happen in the second one or the third one? But uh, yeah, something very, very, very dramatic happens and uh, and we lose uh, a lead character. And um, it's just all the repercussions of that. And then we it kind of focuses then on on other people's stories you know it's it's kind of it's not focused mainly well it is focused mainly on the guy from america but um then it kind of starts focusing on other people's stories and how they're interconnected and stuff and which is which is kind of cool so i do want to see the rest of us just to see how it pans out um but i did i did enjoy it i like the music and i like paris but i wanted to see more of paris <laughs> okay dave what did you think then out of 10 
five and a half to be generous to say that it's it's you know if you, you might sit down and watch this and think yeah this is my thing uh for me i just found it a bit pedestrian solid six and a half okay very good finally let's look at one of the big blockbusters on netflix at the moment the wrong missy with david spade who brings the wrong woman on a business trip to Hawaii. Basically, he brought a lady from a very bad date. Lisa, what did you make of the wrong Missy? She's awful. Like, she's... Oh, she's... (laughs) It's just cringe. It's cringe. Like, she does stuff to him on the plane in front of everybody, and it's disgusting. And you're like, oh, gross. But then, but then magic of magic. You know, as Hollywood movies go... They kind of fall in love. Well, he falls for her over the other girl. And uh, spoiler alert, Lisa. Sorry, spoiler. spoiler <laughs> well, it's a rom com. What way did you think it was going to go? I loved his workmate in it, though, as well. The guy who was like tapping his phone and checking his emails. Yes, yes he's very that. funny. I like that. You know, the, the constant uh, monitoring of his calls and taking over his phone and telling him his passwords are wrong and he should change this password and oh it's just it's funny it's it's you know it's it's quirky it's a quirky movie it was funny you know it was funny but it wasn't like laugh out loud too much at all funny dave when you were watching the wrong missy did you figure out who was playing the character jess in the movie jess uh, that's uh, adam sandler's wife yeah yeah good man well spotted Super, super beautiful lady. Um, she's actually not a bad actress, um, and she was quite good in this. Um, I mean, Lauren Lapkus, who plays the wrong Missy, uh, she's, you know, she's a comedian. She's kind of a gross-out, she's kind of a female Adam Sandler type, and it's a kind of a gross-out comedy in that regard. Um, you know, lots of sexual innuendo and messing around like that, and a lot of physical comedy, falling down and whatever. And it's textbook rom-com david spade and herself end up together david spade is you know looking a bit old now to be in rom-coms but he's actually not a bad actor when you think back to the days of himself and um chris farley in uh, in you know tommy boy and the likes of that but you know it's it's lowbrow stuff that you know in the vein of uh, adam sandler kind of stuff and uh, didn't really do a lot for me to be honest all right, fair enough. So out of 10, Dave? Uh, four out of 10. Ooh, Lisa, so Dave's given a four out of 10. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm going I'm to be nice and give it a five. Well, there you go. That is the wrong Missy on Netflix at the moment. That's it for this episode of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. If you want to find out what is happening in the world of entertainment, make sure you check out our website, jlitmovies.ie, for further information during the week. Lisa Tracy, thanks as always. Thank you very much. Welcome, Gary Kelly. And Dave Coyne, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. And as always, please subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. Until we talk to you next week, take care. Bye-bye.